Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, February 18th, 2024. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, February 16th, 2024, are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study share ID number is 21142. 21,142. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study, share ID number is 21143, 21,143. This morning, A Vision for You presents Surrendering One Step at a Time. It is a privilege and an honor to hear the personal account of promise, hope, and truth of the power greater than ourselves, delivered through the practice of the 12 steps for a compulsive overeater like us. Today, we're diving deep into a transformative journey from compulsive overeating to a life enriched by surrender and the one step at a time notion through the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Imagine compulsive overeaters not just as a challenge, but as a profound, provocative chapter in one's life story, a chapter that, though daunting, is not the final one. It's a narrative that brings us to the edge, compelling us to ponder a life beyond the grasp of addiction, a thought both terrifying and liberating. Our pathway to reclaiming our lives is paved with surrender. But let's be clear, surrender here doesn't mean defeat. There's no white flags in some sense here, except where it comes with food. It's about opening our hearts and our minds to a new way of being, embracing a process that leads to genuine psychic change. This change isn't superficial. It's a deep internal shift in how we perceive ourselves, our relationships, and our place in this world something that was not possible for us to do on our own, ever. Willpower did not exist. Today's speaker will share a personal tale of such transformation, illustrating how surrender served as the key to unlocking true freedom. It all begins with the acknowledgement of our powerlessness over compulsive overeating and the essential step that lays the foundation for recovery. This step is about recognizing the need for a complete rebirth starting with total abstinence. As we navigate through the early stages of recovery, we confront the possibility of a higher power, a guiding light out of the darkness of addiction. Are we ready to embrace this guidance, to turn over our will and our lives to a powerful life-changing force greater than ourselves? It's a journey marked by continuous surrender, each step a testament to our growing faith and willingness to change, step by step on one to the other. But what does the surrender yield? A profound psychic change, a reawakening of sorts that alters our entire outlook. Old coping mechanisms, our ego, our stubborn self-will, they all give way to a fresh perspective infused with new insights and understanding. This awakening allows us to see our lives with all their challenges and, and relationships in a new light, and it happens to us, not by us, but not without us. 
This transformation doesn't occur in isolation. It's fostering, it's fostered within a community of fellow on the path to recovery, where shared experiences and support reinforce the belief that change is not just possible, but within our reach finally. And at the heart of this journey is a deepening connection to spirituality, to a higher power that guides, supports, and ultimately facilitates our surrender. Embarking on a path that many of us know all too well, our speaker faced the daunting reality of compulsive overeating, a condition that doesn't just change the body, but the spirit. Yet through the haze of hardship, she discovered a powerful truth, the act of surrender. Far from being a defeat, a step towards liberation, a doorway to a life reimagined, a relationship with power, the yielding of self, uh, the yielding of self-will to thy will. Our speaker's story is a narrative of struggle, a testament to the power of surrender, community, and faith in something greater than oneself. It's a story of hope and renewal and the promise of, of a life reclaimed. Please join us as we explore this journey, one step at a time, towards a future filled with grace, growth, and genuine freedom. Let's lean in and listen with our open hearts and minds as our speaker shares her personal odyssey from the grips of compulsive overeating to the freedom and clarity that come from genuine surrender. Join me in warmly welcoming a remarkable individual whose journey comes to inspire and guide those of us walking in the path together. Good morning this morning, our special speaker, Sigrid F. from Florida. Good morning, Sigrid. Good morning. Thank you so much. You can hear me okay? Loud and clear, Mademoiselle. Okay, terrific. Good morning, everybody. My name is Sigrid Fetter, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Boca Raton, Florida. You know, the concept of surrendering has been an ongoing challenge for me. For a very long time, I had real difficulty understanding what the phrase, let go and let God, even meant. You know, that was a bumper sticker that really religious people put on their cars. And like Bill, I was a scoffer. I was taught to work hard for whatever I wanted, and that if you, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I absolutely believed in God, but he had bigger problems to take care of. At that time, I truly didn't see that my thinking was often downright crazy, and that it caused me tremendous pain. I started programming the 12 steps when the pain was finally unbearable, and I was hopeless. Over time, I noticed that the longer I struggled for control, the worse the pain is. And I guess that's exactly as it's intended to be. God never asked me to struggle. I did that on my own. But God will apply greater and greater pressure until the pain is so great that I finally do surrender. And that's when the miracle happens. When I let go, the struggle is over and peace can once again settle into my heart and my thinking. Acceptance of what is and trust that it is exactly as it should be quiets the noise between my ears. When I talk about surrender from now on, I'm specifically talking about surrendering to my higher power, not another person, not place, not a thing, or even to my own self-will only to my higher power. Surrendering to my HP means that I relinquish control. I accept help. And I trust that a power greater than I am will guide me in the right direction. 
Some kind of surrender was necessary for me during every step of this program. So that's what I'm talking about today. But first, I'd like to start with my background. So my family, my dad was a functioning alcoholic. My mom was a food addict and a rager, and neither one of them ever got help. I'm one of five kids. My eldest sister has bipolar disorder. My second sister uh, is in recovery, bulimic and a compulsive overeater. My eldest brother was a drug addict, committed suicide when he was 23. And my youngest brother doesn't appear to be an addict, but certainly has the disease of family alcoholism. I have eight nieces and nephews. At least three have already had struggles with alcohol or drugs. Me, I'm a pretty much garden variety compulsive overeater. And having said that, I would really like to thank God because all of these people in my family, except for my mother, are current, the ones who are, have addict behaviors, they're currently in recovery. So let's go back a little bit. I first remember my binge, the very first one was somewhere between I was eight and 10 years old. I took the, vitamin, the chewable vitamin C bottle and I went down into the downstairs bathroom, clearly knew I shouldn't have been taking that, and just ate a whole bunch of them. I was a really active child. My mom really controlled our food. So I really didn't put on a lot of weight until college. And in college, the eating really began. I started yo-yo dieting from college until I joined OA when I was 48 years old. My pr primary food abuse through the years became dinner time. I could control my eating during the day, but by dinner time, I would continue to eat until I wanted to vomit every day. In 2013, I was complaining about my most recent weight gain to my sister, my second sister, and she asked me a pivotal question. Had I ever heard of OA? I had not, so I Googled it. And I found the Is OA Right For You quiz. And shocker, I got an A. So what did I do? Right, I went exactly back to Weight Watchers. Why? Because just like Bill on page seven of Bill's story, my incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was explained. Understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hopes. Surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. And how do you think that worked out? <laughs> well, read the next sentence in the big book. It says, but it was not, for that frightful day came when I drank once more. That time I dieted for nine months. And I, until I started down what I like to call the slow, slippery slope. It's an exponentially steepening hill where one bite one day turns into two then four, then eight, then 16, and well, you get the picture. In a very short time, I was back to eating until I wanted to vomit every night. Every morning, I would swear I wasn't going to do it again, and every night, I was sick, physically and emotionally. But this last time was different. This last time while I was eating and afterwards, I heard something. It was like an angel sitting on my shoulder, kindly whispering, do you see at this time? You can't control how much you eat. You can't do this alone. I didn't know it then, but that last 
slide back into the food was the beginning of my step one. Big book, page eight, Bill says it eloquently. Quick stance stretched around me in all directions. I had met my match. I had been overwhelmed. Alcohol, in my case, food, was my master. This was my first real program surrender, and I wasn't even in program yet. <laughs> but I finally saw my powerlessness over food, and I truly believed there was no hope for me. OA was the last house on the block. So I joined OA in January 2014. In the beginning, I was very, very full of shame. I would only attend telephone meetings so that no one would be able to see me. Is it odd or is it God? But the telephone meetings I started with studied the big book, and I began attending one that met many times a week. And quickly, I found a sponsor. With my first sponsor, we studied the big book starting with a doctor's opinion. It was a huge relief to read on page XXVI that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. That was a boom moment. I wasn't a failure. I had a disease. A second surrender occurred then. I surrendered to the disease. Then we studied step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. I worked with my sponsor through this step quickly because of the previous year's angel whispering in my ear. I was powerless over food, and OA was the last house on the block. There was nowhere else to go. If I'd had another idea, I'm sure I would have tried it. Diets, exercise pills, uh, exercise, diet pills, therapy, none of it worked, and none of it would. I knew this in my heart and soul. I surrendered to this disease. Then came step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. I believed in God, but it never occurred to me that God would want to handle my food problems. Wasn't he or she too busy with real problems? I was raised with the phrase, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. I thought self-reliance was expected, but I was out of ideas and I knew I couldn't fix my food problem. I was literally crazy when it came to food. But this step clearly wanted me to believe that God could lead me from the crazy place I was in back to sanity. Did I think God could really do that? Well, no, I didn't. But just as Bill realizes on page 12, that it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. I could believe that God had helped others. So just maybe this could work for me too. So what did I surrender in step two? I had to surrender my old ideas about self-reliance and my belief that God couldn't help me with my food problems. On we went to step three. We made a decision to turn all in our lives over to the care of God if we understood him. The first time I took step three, my sponsor had me say the prayer on my knees. The experience touched me deeply. I surrendered my will and life over to the care of God. I wish I could tell you that I never took my will back, but that would be an utter lie. I can tell you that over the 10 years I've been practicing this step, I've also been practicing surrender, surrendering my will and life to God, and that it's become more natural 
and easier as I learn and grow. From a food perspective, I had started giving God control of my food by praying before and during meals. And quite honestly, it felt like a miracle and it worked. Cravings subsided and I started losing weight. After my third step, my sponsor asked me to begin attending a specific telephone meeting that was from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on Saturday evening. I was working full time. I had a husband and two kids still at home. It was always a juggle to balance my home and my work. And I was willing to go to another meeting, but not at that time. And so we parted ways. At that point, I felt strong enough to begin attending in-person meetings. So I went to six different in-person OA meetings and settled on a big book meeting on Sunday morning. There I found my second sponsor. I started the steps over using the OA 12 and 12. It took me all of that year to work through the steps. I worked slowly but thoroughly, and the food was down. Looking back, the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, comes to mind. I wanted recovery. I wanted to feel better. I stayed the course. I studied. I did the assignments. I did what I was told to do. So step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. My sponsor directed me to use one of the familiar matrix formats found on the internet. And I did so as rigorously as I could. I would come to learn that this step was teaching me about how I think and why it leads me to the food. For the first time in my life, I had to surrender my anger and my resentments against others that I had perceived hurt me in order to look at my defects and the harm I had caused. To be very clear, I absolutely did not do this perfectly. But over time, I came to realize that it didn't need to be. I would continue to dig deeper and unpeel the layers of my crazy thinking with steps 10, 11, and 12. In step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. I remember sitting at an outside table for two at the Dunkin' Donuts close to my Sunday morning location. I was very nervous. My heart was pounding as I poured out secrets I thought I'd never tell anyone. I had to surrender my pride, my self-centered fear of being 100% honest with someone else. She listened and smiled and encouraged me. She was very loving and kind. I had so much judgment for myself, but she had none. When we finished, I felt clean. I felt freed from ropes I'd been strangling myself with. It was incredible. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. In studying this step, I was able to see some of my bigger defects of character, including my strong feelings of not being good enough, but that I was still better than you. <laughs> my need to control people, places, and things, my need to be right, and my need to be heard. To make a new beginning, I needed to surrender my resistance to these defects and abandoned myself to letting God take them from me. I did the best I could for a control freak, and I moved on to step seven. Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. I said the seventh step prayer with my sponsor, 
Giving God my defects of character was a surrender of my pride. I meant the prayer when I said it, but my will crept back in over time, and I had to learn many lessons over and over. But at the time, I moved on to step eight. Made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. I referred back to my step four inventory and made my list. I then planned each amend and shared my plans with my sponsor. In order to make amends, I knew I had to surrender any remaining anger and resentments I was holding on to, so that the apology would be an apology for my side of the street and not an accusation of what they did on theirs. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And as the big book says on page 76, now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. In this step, I had to surrender. Anything else that was in the way of the amends. Things like my pride, my need to be right, my need to be heard, they all had to be set aside. I made amends in many ways. Some were financial, some were face-to-face, and some were in writing. And there were two that, in discussing it with a few different people, I really felt would have harmed them. So I wrote them and I burned the letters. During this period of time, I learned the concept of living amends. I was responsible for my footwork and then had to trust God with the outcome. Part of my footwork was to do my very best not to repeat what I had not what I had done, not only to the person who I'd wronged, but to anyone. I had to change my behaviors and often my thinking to do this. And I definitely had to apologize multiple times for the same thing. But I just keep at it. Step ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. I learned that the right time to do a tenth step is when we would have turned to the food. According to the doctor's opinion on page XXVIII, that is when we are restless, irritable, or discontented. Let's pause here to talk about feelings. I don't like them. I didn't like them then. I don't like them now. But I used to deny them, avoid them, do everything I could to not feel them. And this was a really big roadblock for me. Took me years to learn to be aware of the disturbances, connect them to my feelings, then maybe see my part so that I could start to accept myself, others, places, and things as they are. In the early days, I had to start to recognize physical cues, like my heart beating too fast or from my shoulder muscles creeping up to my ears and and painful. Even when I could see the physical cues, I still had to force myself to pause and feel the feeling. That was incredibly hard for me to do, but I kept practicing. Sometimes all I could do was repeat in my head, God's plan is better than mine. I learned to go into a bathroom stall or take a walk to do a tenth step and pray. As time went on, I started noticing my feelings being triggered before the physical responses would start. And more recently, I can more frequently hear the negative messages between my ears that even start the feelings. And I can pause and I can question those messages and say, well, is that really truthful? This step has been both a lifesaver and a teacher for me. So what do I surrender during this step? 
I surrender my side of the street, my control, my desire for a different outcome. Seeing my part in any disturbance, even when I'm right or the situation truly is unfair, has helped me to acknowledge my feelings so that I can find my way back to peace between my ears. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. This step has two distinct surrenders for me. First, I had to surrender to a new daily practice of seeking God's will. Second, I had to surrender my will regarding the outcome I wanted. Be honest, I wasn't very consistent with this step in my first couple of years. I did keep at it. Step 12, having had a awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. By taking this step, we surrender to the best of our ability to using the principles we learned through our step work in all areas of our lives. By working with others, we carry the message, but we also hear the message over and over, and I need that. My disease has a built-in forgetter. As the big book words on page 89 say, nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. I have found that to be true. In the next year, my second sponsor left the program, but my network grew and I learned a ton. Regardless, my food started slipping and sliding and I started taking back my control of the food through dieting. What was wrong? I knew I needed help and found another sponsor and she is still my sponsor today. In 2017, I restudied the steps using the big book and a big book study guide for OA. There were several changes that became foundational to my program and each of them had new levels of surrender. From the start, my sponsor required that I write and send her a God letter every morning and that I journal my gratefuls every night. I didn't realize it then, but that was the foundation for an 11th step practice of surrendering to God's will through prayer. She also showed me I had a step one problem. I knew I was powerless over food, but I had not connected to, be, to my life being unmanageable. I had a husband, two kids, great home, friends, corporate career, but I also had anxiety and panic attacks. Sometimes the anxiety would be so bad that I wouldn't sleep for several days. I wasn't peaceful in my head. I was finally able to surrender my unmanageable life to my higher power. The other thing that stood out dramatically in this second study <clears throat> was my understanding of steps six and seven. Sure, I wanted my defects removed and I was happy to have God take them, but I was painfully not self-aware. Perhaps it's also my personality, but asking for all my selfishness, dishonesty, and fear to be removed when I didn't fully understand what I was asking for was a problem for me. I needed to understand my thinking at a deeper level, and I started to see a pattern of imbalance. I was very controlling and thought everything would be fine if everyone would just do what I said. But secretly, I didn't believe I was good enough, and I feared failure. Practically daily, my sponsor would answer my God letter with the words, acceptance is the answer to all your problems. 
little by little to understand what she meant and to surrender my defects to my higher power. For certain, holding on to them was not helping me to find serenity. And without serenity, I was going to find my way back to the food. Over the years, some defects were removed quickly and some slowly, and some I'm still working on. But now I know I'm holding on to them for some reason. I'm getting something out of them. Take my I'm not good enough. Recently, I read that this is something I learned in my alcoholic home, and it's actually a lie that I've perpetuated. So I have an excuse, and I don't have to take responsibility for myself. So now I'm reminding myself that this is something I learned and it's not true, and I am good enough. Lastly, with the help of this sponsor, I started to see where I'd gotten the ball rolling faster, and my 10 steps grew in effectiveness. She also taught me the use of the sick man's prayer, the resentment prayer, and the set-aside prayer whenever I needed them. Honestly, I didn't believe they'd really work, but they did, and they do, and I still use them. One other thing that's important from 2017 is that I started listening to a Vision for You meeting. I admit today, at first, I had a lot of resistance to some messages I heard. I still thought I was a special snowflake and that I knew better than others. But I knew I needed help, so I stuck with it, with many reminders to myself that we are all sick people trying to help one another and that not everything I hear is meant for me. In those early days, I prayed a lot to a higher power I really didn't think was going to do anything to help me, but somehow I got help. I started trusting that God's outcome was better than any I could plan, and little by little, my anxiety and my panic attacks became less frequent and less intense. Fast forward to 2020, I had acute back pain. There was a big decline in my physical ability to exercise. I couldn't walk a quarter mile. I couldn't stand for more than a minute. I declined into self-pity and fear, which I held on to. I didn't surrender any of it. I didn't trust God, and I was in denial. And during that year, I gained 10 pounds very slowly. In 2021, I went through with double hip replacement surgery. But again, poor me. I didn't surrender my fears or trust God with my future and I gained another 10 pounds. In early 2022, I started Pilates and cycling. A couple months later, that quiet inner voice of truth told me I needed to start participating in an 11-step nightly review train. God does for me what I cannot do for myself. Through the years, I questioned what was my abstinence supposed to be. I did what I thought I should be doing, but never felt secure about it. In hindsight, the answer was, I was doing fine, but I kept asking, so God finally hit me over the head with it. And in July of 2022, a routine physical blood test revealed I had a higher than normal A1C or blood sugar score. It wasn't diabetes yet, but something was going on in my body. Turns out that one of my grandmothers had adult onset diabetes. God's timing of pushing me to start the 11-step train before this happened was perfect. He knew that I would need a thorough daily review to clean up my broken, poor me thinking each day. Shortly thereafter, I started working with a new nutritionist. I adopted a, a new food plan. It, it is actually really similar to my old one with some minor modifications, and it does include more consistent weighing and measuring. 
My food plan is focused on stabilizing blood sugar through weight, diet, weight loss, and exercise. Last year, my, the weight loss did happen, but it was painfully slow. The scale and time seemed to be my enemy and my judge. An OA friend pointed out that the scale was becoming my higher power. This was a new kind of surrender for me. Was I abstinent? Yes. Was I doing my exercise? Yes. Was I working steps 10, 11, and 12? Yes. Well, that was and is still my footwork. The number on the scale and the timing of any weight loss is purely up to God. I learned to pray before each weigh-in, asking that God help me to see the number as only one data point within a journey of a lifetime. I had to learn to surrender my perfectionism, to love myself through mistakes, and to trust in the long game that my higher power has planned for me, instead of the number on the scale or the number of weeks or months it takes to get where I'm going. And here we are one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time. I'm down 30 pounds, I wear a size eight. I was once 255 pounds and a size 22. I used to believe that my current maintenance weight was neither achievable nor sustainable, but with God's help it has been. So things continue to happen in God's time, not mine. Last April, something traumatic happened that threatened my physical safety. For many weeks after that, I had intense and deep fears about it happening again. But a miracle was unfolding. I didn't eat over it. If anything, I leaned more rigorously into my abstinence, the 11th Step Daily Review, and my loving network of friends. And God didn't stop there. He soothed my fears so that I slept at night, helped me to see how I contributed to it happening to begin with, and started helping me to learn that I can and I would be able to take better care of myself moving forward. Almost a year later, I've come to look at that awful night as a blessing. Without it, things would only have gotten worse, and it's hard to think about how bad it could have gotten. Because of it, I'm starting to like myself. I'm learning how to replace negative self-talk with kindness, and I'm finally letting go of the I'm not good enough messages. Another thing that is happening in God's control and timing is related to my high blood sugar. Despite my clean food, exercise program, and weight loss, my A1C has continued to creep up over the past 18 months. Most recently, my numbers rose to the point that my doctors put me on medication. My initial response was, of course, fear. <laughs> but after thoroughly surrendering my tense steps and fears to my higher power, I'm grateful. I'm fortunate that medications exist that can help reduce my blood sugar, so I might avoid becoming a diabetic. I started them recently, and I'll tell you in a few months how that's working out. Whatever happens now, God will lead me and be with me every step of the way simply by guiding me to do the next right thing. What I've described to you has been a journey, my journey. During, during it, there were times I felt lost and times I felt surrendered. When I'm surrendered, I'm clearly directed to do something else, something more. The big book is clear about expanding our spiritual lives if we want to stay recovered. So this is what my spiritual life looked like 10 years ago compared to today. 
Ten years ago, I went to one in-person meeting a week. I fit studying the big book into my life, and it took me a full year to get through the steps the first time. I read one daily reader. Two years later, I started writing a God letter each morning and journaling each night. Seven or eight years ago, I started listening to Vision for You, Vision for You telephone, big book studies, and special editions. Over time, I became a regular listener and started a weekly routine of discussing the content of the special editions with a very close OA friend. The daily shares on the vision meetings were a catalyst for me to better see my own restlessness, irritability, and discontentedness, which increased the number and improved the quality of my 10th step. Almost two years ago, I joined an 11th step train. 18 months ago, I started surrendering my food to a nutritionist every day. Almost a year ago, I joined guided meditation when I first wake up in the morning. Today, most days begin with a combination of guided my God letter, grateful text, daily readers, AV for you or Al-Anon telephone meetings. During the day, I connect with sponsees, sponsors, and other program fellows by text and phone. I pray often, asking for direction and or giving thanks. I sometimes go to Zoom or in-person meetings. I do 10 steps as needed. I review my 11th step daily with someone else, and I often journal and pray at night. And yes, I still work full time. I spend time with my husband. I talk to my kids. I take care of my dog. I cook. I clean, I spend time with friends and family, I exercise, I shop, I read, I watch TV, and so on. Ten years ago, I could not have comprehended the lengths I'd be willing to go to to stay in fit spiritual condition. Today, I value my serenity far more than food and the excessive time I used to put into anxious and crazy thinking goes into programs, and I still have time left over for me. In conclusion, these are the things I'd like to highlight as keys to my recovery. A 12-step program is a life's work. I will never graduate, but I am getting better at surrendering. I grow whether I like it or not when the time is right, not when I think it is. I don't need to be perfect. I just need to keep doing the next right thing and trudging one day at a time. Some days are easy and some are hard. That's just the way it is. I'm in charge of doing the work and following the steps. God is in charge of the outcome. When I try to control outcomes, I become restless, irritable, and discontented, and I need a tenth step. The sooner I surrender, the sooner I return to peace between my ears. If my thinking is in the future or the past, I need to surrender my thoughts and do a tenth step to come back to the present. I would rather have serenity than be right. Patience and prayer are the keys to doing the next right thing. And sometimes all I need to or can focus on is just doing the next right thing. God never leaves me. I leave God periodically and take back my will. But all I have to do is think of my hand going back into God to surrender to and connect us once again. And lastly, I can surrender to a defective mind 
by staying angry, resentful, and in bondage. Or I can surrender the flaw to my higher power and be set free to live in peace within my head and with the world. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you very much, Sigrid F. from Florida. You just packed so much into this today and gave so much of yourself, your vulnerability and your willingness to share your particular journey touches the lives of so many of us here so that we have the opportunity to, to reach up to what this program offers. It was just beautiful. Thank you, Sigrid. Well, we'll ask Sigrid for her contact information at the conclusion of this meeting, so stay tuned for that. That'll be after the recording has ended. The share ID number for today's Sunday special edition, which is February 18th, 2024, is 21145, 21,145. You have an opportunity to go back and look at these points that were made here today to be able to follow the instruction, the prayer, and the gratitude that was offered here today. So, Sigrid, the lines are now open for questions if you're ready. If you have a question for Sigrid... Oh, good. Please unmute your phone by pressing star one on your phone keypad. Offer your first name, the first initial of your last name, and then your state so folks can get a hold of you if they need to. And then immediately upon asking your question, please press star one again to remute your phone. Thank you so much. Questions ready for you. First name, please, last initial. Felicia S. Ken W.H. Ken W.H. Marie M. Anyone else? Star one, please. Okay, let's go with those three and get us started. That might warm things up a little bit. Okay, Felicia S., then 10WH, and then followed by Anne-Marie. Your question, Felicia, good morning. Good morning. I'm Felicia S. from New Jersey. Thank you to all who make this meeting possible in your service. And thank you so much, Ingrid, for your... Uh, for your qualification this morning and your talk on surrender, could you possibly give us a little more insight to these God letters, how they started, like original instructions maybe, and what what they've evolved into now? Thank you. Sure. So originally my, my sponsor was pretty vague about it. She just wanted me to do some sort of God letter in the morning where I would Talk, just get in the practice of talking to God. Uh, what that turns into over time is consistently, God, you know, I can't, God can, I'm going to let him. The people and places and things that I can't do anything about, I pray for them. And my grateful. If there's something troubling me or I feel like I need extra support with something or help behaving in a new way or something, I will also put that in there. Does that help? Thank you very much for the question this morning, Felicia. Next up with a question, Ken WH. Good morning, Ken, your question. Thank you, um, Melanie, and thank you, Sigrid. Just a wonderful share. I got a question. Sometimes my brain is a terrible thing to use. And uh, you said, not everything I hear is meant for me. How do you discern 
with uh, what is meant for you to hear and what you just decide you don't want to hear that may in fact be what you needed to hear. <laughs> How do you make those yeah. distinctions? Yeah, I, that is a fabulous question. <laughs> you know, initially it, it was very much my will, right? Well, I don't, I don't want to hear that. I'm not ready to hear that. And and to be honest, maybe being not ready to hear it was okay at the time, right? But I, I feel like each of us is on our own journey, um, so we can't. It's you can't hear something until you're ready to hear it, and once you can and are ready to hear it, you can't unhear it. Um, so. As time has gone on and I've gotten more open to my higher power, I I will turn to my higher power. Like if I'm irritable or it irritates me, I've learned, hmm, is that a mirror? Are you irritated because you do that? Um, which I have found to sometimes be true. Or... I'll pray, God, if there's something you want me to, help me to be open, help me to listen. Like if I find myself closing down, I'll pray, God, please help me to be open, help me to listen. If there's a lesson to learn here, help me to learn it. Those are some tricks that I do when my mind is a terrible place to be. Thank you, Ken WH from North Carolina for your question this morning. Next up, Anne-Marie, your question. Uh, good morning. Thank you, Singer, for your, your share. I can identify with the, the struggle. Um, can you uh, share on how you work Step 12? Sure. Um, I work Step 12 in a number of different ways. I do go to some in-person meetings. Um, I usually share at those in-person meetings. I also share um periodically on the vision for you line so through sharing at meetings i also will help putting away share uh, chairs or make donations i do all those sorts of things i have sponsees um that i work with uh i have now I, and i have sponsors because i'm in two programs now um so i do that as well and then how else do i do step 12. i think I really believe step 12 also is a little bit broader than just program. I have to do my program thing. So it's not an either or, but I can also be of service to family members or at work um, or to friends. You know, going to a friend's mother's funeral on Monday and sit Shiva with her on Wednesday. Like for me, I believe that's also a part of service, right? So. That's my step 12. Thank you very much, Anne-Marie, for your question. There's lots of time for additional questions this morning. If you're interested in, in hearing more from Sigrid, if you have a question on your heart, please press star 1 on your phone keypad. And give me your name. Freya first H. letter of your last name. Freya, hi. Morrissey. Morrissey, hello. Your question this morning, Freya H. Go ahead, from Colorado. Good morning. Thank you so much. Sorry to talk over you, Melanie. Um, Sigrid, thanks for that beautiful presentation, so much honesty. And you really shared about the, um, you know, the different 
phases that your your program has gone through and the different approaches you use and the ups and downs. And I know that it, for me, it can be easy to get into judging what I did before. Like, oh, that was wrong. That was bad. You know, I, I like to kind of shun that approach or, you know, that place that I was in and treat it with judgment. I didn't really hear that when you were sharing. I heard just a lot of honesty. So I don't, I'd love to hear if you have any comments on just the attitude that you take toward this entire recovery journey and whether you, um, yeah, I, I hope that makes sense, whether you can see it as this is all part of the journey and God's been with me the whole time or if there's any twinges of, I don't know, remorse or regret or anything like that. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah, I I would say I definitely have had regrets, you know, regrets that I I didn't even get into program until I was 48. You know, I, I don't know, what is that? I guess I was 18 when I went to college, so 30 years of yo-yo dieting and my thinking getting crazier and crazier. Um, regrets that I didn't see things sooner or didn't surrender sooner, but honestly, it all happened. I, I truly believe today it all happened exactly as it was supposed to be for me. I don't believe everyone's journey is identical. I actually think everyone's journey is a little bit unique. And when each of us is ready to see, be able to see something, um, and why, why couldn't I, you know, see something 15 years ago that's so obvious today? <laughs> I don't know, but I couldn't. And I, I guess I, Today, I accept that it took what it took, and I'm just grateful to be where I am. You know, looking at the past, if I'm looking at the past or I'm looking at the future, I am not in the present. And those things are really dangerous for me. And that means I have to do a 10th step. So if I'm, if I'm in too much regret and I'm, you know, banging myself over the head for not being smarter sooner or something, well, how is that helping my program today? It, it's actually not. It's going to drive me back to the food. So it has to be a 10th step. So today, thank God. <laughs> thank you, God. Um, I accept my journey as it rolled out, and I understand that God had a plan. He, God knew. God knew what I needed when I needed it and gave me what I needed to get where I am. Um, so thanks for the question, Freya. Thank you so much, Freya. H from Colorado with your question. Maura Z from Virginia, your question this morning. Thanks, Melanie, for your service as always. Sigrid, thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself today. I really appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability. Um, my weakest link has always been my 11-step practices. And I've recently gotten better. I've improved my practices. But I was just wondering, I think it has to do with surrendering. How would I, how would I apply, how, how do you think I would apply surrender to being more disciplined with my 11-step practices? Um, 
you know, there's a beauty in the discipline each night of remembering my grateful. You know, I, I we can get really caught up in, oh, the 11th step, oh, no, I'm going to have to do another 10th step, or I'm going to have to look at my defects, and I'm tired, and, you know, I, I guess you could get caught up in that, but maybe keep it simple, you know? Keep it simple. God, I am so grateful for this day. Thank you. I'm still breathing. Thank you. I was able to exercise today. You know, I had two hip replacements a couple of years ago. Every day I can get up and walk and take the dog around the block. I'm looking up and I'm like, thank you, God. I'm, I'm 58. Um, I, I had hip replacements at 56. Like I, I thought I was going to be in a wheelchair. Like it, it was horrible. And so thank you, God, that I can exercise, that I'm breathing, that I was given another day. Even on the crappiest day, weather's terrible or work is really hard. You know what? I had my health today. I have people around me who love me. I have a God who loves me. I have a program to help me. There's always something that I can be grateful for. So maybe, maybe if move your 11-step practice, to just keep it a little simpler. And it doesn't need to be 20 minutes long. It can just be a few minutes long when you're tired. It's just the practice of saying thank you, God. Thank you for your question this morning, Marzi from Virginia. Thank you very much. Are there any other folks out there that have a question for Sigrid this morning? Please press Joy B. in California. Hi, Joy. Joy. Uh, hi, good morning. Thank you so much thank for your share. The honesty and the okay. simplicity. And Hang the on just one bullshit. second. Hang on just, Joy, just one second. I'm going to see if there's anybody else lined up behind you, and then we'll get right back to you. Thanks. Cheryl, Anyone else with a question this morning? Cheryl, Cheryl L. from Florida. Cheryl L. Jody E. Jody E. Sonia S. Sonia S. F or S? Uh, S, S, as in Sam. Thank you. Cheryl H. from Utah. Cheryl H. Carol. 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 Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anyone else with questions this morning? Yvonne H. Yvonne H. Anyone else this morning? from Georgia. Bev J. From Colorado. Bev J. Okay. Susan P. from Georgia. Susan P. Georgia. Okay, let's go with that lineup. See how time takes us. Hopefully, we'll get to everyone. And first up with a question this morning would be Joy B. followed by Cheryl L. Hi, Joy. It's your turn for the question. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much for the way you shared the simplicity and the honesty of it. I appreciate you and the hostess. I think you for conducting the meeting. You know, I spent so much time declaring I'm going to uh, not eat dinner today, not do this, not do that. But the, much of my time is spent really thinking of all the damage that food has done to my body, bad knees, bad ankles. You know, the list is forever long. Do you ever look back and say, what was wrong with me? I spend a whole day thinking about what if, why did I do this to myself? Why did I allow food to become to take this power over me. 
So for me, Joy, the reason I allowed it is because I have a disease. I mean, the doctor's opinion is really clear that I have a, my mind is as thick as the allergy is to my body, right? I, I think if I didn't have a disease, I wouldn't have done that. Um, so understanding and really believing that I, it wasn't my will, my control, it wasn't something that I created or did on purpose. You know, if somebody gets diabetes or cancer, they, they didn't do that to themselves on purpose. And neither is being an addict. So, no, I mean, now I'm, I don't know why, you know, I have this malady. Um, but I'm very grateful for this program that helps me to deal with it. And I'm really grateful that it's not cancer. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, this solution seems a lot simpler to me than, you know, chemo and radiation. So I'm grateful for this, for this disease that's helped me to have peace between my ears with this program. Thank you, Joy, for your question this morning. Cheryl L., you're up next, followed by Jody E. Let's start one, Cheryl. Good morning. My name is Cheryl, Cheryl L., as in laugh, from Florida. Can I be heard? Oh, loud and clear. Step right in. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your share this morning, and I appreciate your, your talking about surrender. I'm just wondering if you could um, expand a little bit more about how you've come to surrender more of your time um, as the years in recovery had progressed. I, I tend to look at, at time as such a precious commodity, and I feel like I pack a lot into into my day, and yet I feel like I'm 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 still not I'm still not doing enough. Um, and so I wondered if you could just you know how how do you do that and um, I don't know. I, I just, I just really struggle. I, I like wonder if I should be doing the steps again. I've, I've been to the steps once with a sponsor for vision, um, and I don't know if I should be doing it again. I don't know if I spend enough time with with my sponsor, and um, so just trying to to figure all of this out. Thank you for any any information you can give me. Sure. Jody, what came, you know, what came to me as you were speaking is a mantra I actually have in my reminders, my daily reminders on my phone. And it's, I am enough, I do enough, I have enough, and my weight is perfect just for today. And that mantra has helped me because I also, I, in order to feel worthy or good enough, I felt like I was on this treadmill of I have to get all these things done. I have to check things off a list. And I actually can still create a list and get a hit of adrenaline from checking things off those lists. So it's, it's like another form of addiction in a way. And I have to be very careful about that. Um, I would say, so the first thing is to realize that I don't need to do it all. I really am good enough just as I am. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not, that's a practice too. <laughs> that's why it's a reminder on my phone. Um, but I am better at it. I'm starting to, you know, the meditating in the morning, starting my day, not jumping out of bed, 
That was a huge change for me. Forcing myself to lay in bed and do a meditation first thing in the morning was a huge change, very difficult for me, for somebody who's get up and go and do, 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 right? But I think the do, 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 to some extent, is to not think. If I can, if I can keep doing, then I don't have to think. And it's a substitute for the steps or my higher power asking for help. So I've had to look at that. I've had to figure out um, what do I spend time on? What do I not spend time on? Uh, Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's with my sponsor, with my higher power, with my fellows. And then it's honesty. Am I taking on others' responsibilities? Am I doing things that really someone else should be doing? Am I asking for help participating in a family? Or am I the caregiver and I'm doing everything for them? Because that's not okay either, right? So I think this is a this is a toughie. I can't I can't in one you know, one question on a phone, and it's probably not just me. I think that's a great question to ask a whole lot of your network of fellows and talk to God and start figuring out maybe where some of those things need to fall off so that you can spend a little bit more time with your higher power. Thank you, Cheryl, for your question this morning. Next up, Jody E. Your question, please, followed by Sonia S. Thank you very much, Melanie, for your service. And thank you, Siegfried, for a beautiful share. You sound very clear and and just wonderful. My question is geared to the newcomer who is not yet abstinent. And when the suggestion that entire abstinence of alcoholic foods is is brought up, they their eyes kind of glaze over. <laughs> and it's very difficult to imagine. I remember being there. Do you have a sufficient substitute for the food? Well, you know, those the, when you're first, you really have to want it, right? You have, yeah, anyone whose eyes glaze over, in my mind, maybe they just aren't ready. Like, we can't make people be ready. They become ready in their time and with God. And for some people, you know, that's not, that doesn't mean, you know, 500 pounds. That means 20 pounds. Or it means, you know, they're 25 or 30, right? They didn't have to wait till they were 48 and do it for 30 years. And for other people, it means they're going to die. And, you know, we are, all we can do is demonstrate our recovery so that it looks attractive and they want it. But if they don't want it, there's nothing we can do. So I hope that answered the question, Jody. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much, Jody E. from California, for your question this morning. Sonia S., your question is now, and then followed by Carol H. 
from you. Hi, this is um, Sonia S. from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater. And thank you so much for for your share. It was just really just inspiring. And I have a question in regards to um, when you have an indecision, can you give an example of an indecision that you might have had where you weren't sure, but you paused and you asked God for support and like, what was the outcome with that? If you can think of any kind of, any kind of like situation um, where that was a really powerful experience for you. Well, one comes to mind for me. Um, I was very, very nervous about getting asked to speak today. And I knew that that nervousness was coming from my ego. Um, and I, I did more than one tenth step because <laughs> I have a really strong ego <laughs> and a strong will. Um, so I did do more than one tenth step. And on Valentine's Day this week, I, in the morning, thought to myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Voices of Recovery. I haven't read that in forever. And I opened up and I read the reading. And then after I read the reading, I realized I had read April 14th and not February 14th. And April 14th, I'll just read the top part. We gratefully follow in the footsteps of many others who have walked this way before us. And we're gratified to be making footprints of our own for others to follow. God knew exactly what I needed. I didn't, it was February 14th. Out of the blue, I read the daily reader that, you know, I get a, I get a feeling I should read a daily reader that I haven't read for like years and then open up to the wrong page and read the message that God wanted me to hear. I mean, if, you know, it's maybe the short answer to your question is pause. If you don't know what the right next thing is, just wait, because the answer will come. Thank you very much, Sonia S, for your question. Carol H. from Utah. Your question now, followed by Yvonne H. from Germany. Thank you very much, Melanie, very much for your your work here. And thank you, Siegfried. That was such a impactful share that you gave. It just really helped me in many, many ways. And my question is, um, how do you keep from being derailed like when you listen to higher power and you feel you get promptings of things to do how do you keep from being derailed and how do you carry out you know the um the plan that you feel higher power gives you well if i'm being derailed i'm in my will and if I'm following God's path, things roll out pretty smoothly, even when you think they're not going to, you know? So, and 
and oh, by the way, God's going to get his way. <laughs> so, so um, I, can, I can fight and struggle, and, you know, that's what it looks like when I am derailed. And I do. I do, right? I'm an addict. I still think like an addict. That's why I need this program. Um, but there is a point in the struggle, usually, <laughs> typically, where, you know, God's going to, you know, the rod and the staff, right? God's going to, hey, Sigrid, no, nope, nope, don't go that way. It's like me with the dog on the leash. No, no, Ellie, we're not going to walk that way. We're going to walk this way today. Um, and sometimes that, you know, I'll get jerked in that direction. <laughs> sometimes just a gentle push. Um, but, you know, I... I when I stay in God's path, my path is clear. Uh, I am confident in my heart, soul, stomach, in what the next right thing is. And when I am in my own will, that's it. It all feels it all feels like clenched up. You feel more clenched up. You don't feel relaxed. Boy, was that, I, I hope that wasn't way out there for you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank I tried. You. <laughs> okay. Thank you. you did excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Carol H., for your question this morning. Yvonne H., oh. your question this morning. Well, I guess it would be afternoon for you. You're in Germany, right? Yes. Thank you so much, Melanie, for your service, and thank you, Sigrid. Wonderful share. Yes, I have a question. I hear that uh, people in OA do the 10th step with other people. Like they call somebody to do the 10th step. And I wanted to know, do you do the 10th step with your higher power, or do you call somebody else? So I typically, it, it, so the answer with 10 steps for me is it depends. Um, most of the time, I do not just do a 10 step with my higher power. I mean, there are times when I recognize right away that I'm getting into self-will and I ask God for help and move forward. But I would call it almost like a teeny tiny mini 10 It's not really a full 10 step. If I'm going to do a 10 step, I usually write them. I am much better writing something out. I, I can't risk through all of my defects. I need some time to write down the thoughts in my head. They, everything gets jumbled up in my head in a 10th step. So I need to splat it out. Um, so I usually use a, an app on my phone to write out what the problem is, you know, what the impact of the problem is, where I've been selfish, dishonest, and afraid. And then at the end of that, I'll write a letter to God asking for the removal of my defects and to help me um, be better, help me to be useful, help me to return to usefulness to God. So, and then I'll send that to a close fellow. And then depending on the item, like if I know what's wrong and the other person doesn't have any feedback for me, it might just stop there. Um, or if it just feels too deep and I need to talk about it or the other person has feedback for me, then we connect and we talk about it. So that's typically what my 10 steps look like. Um, but I do sometimes just do them over the phone 
um, yeah, and and I I'm flexible with however anyone likes to do ten steps. I think it's kind of a personal practice thing, Yvonne. Like you have to find what is the best way for you to connect with your part, and I think that's a little different for everybody. Thank, Thank you very you much, so Yvonne. Much. For your question today, and I just want, if you don't mind, Sigrid, just to, to um, insert here that on page 84 of the big book, in the second paragraph down, there um, are clear-cut directions, too, on how to, to work a tenth step. And it's a four-point process here that um, is really helpful and clearly lined out, not very complicated. And so... For, for the purposes here, just to, to kind of to give a little crescendo you were talking about, secret is that there are very, very clear directions. Page 84, second paragraph for folks that want to yep. continue to that way yeah. too. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. You know, I use the app, these directions, but I need a format for these directions. Mm -hmm. But 100%, mm -hmm. totally agree. Mm -hmm. So next question comes from Vanessa G. Darwin, Vanessa. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, Sigrid. Thank you both for your wonderful service. Um, you know, my, my question is, um, you know, in talking about 11-step practice and surrendering, I find myself trying to make it happen as opposed to letting it happen, I guess. So to I listened to your progression this morning and um and wonder if maybe I'm just pushing too hard. You know, I I do my eleventh step in the morning by myself. I do it again with two sponsees in the morning. I listen to a couple of you know vision meetings. I have a couple of daily readers and yet it still doesn't feel like enough. So I know that it's about me and my wanting to do something more than I'm doing. But maybe you could help me with that a little bit. And thank you again for all of your, your love and service in this program, both of you. Yeah, thanks, thanks Vanessa. Um, you know, I feel like how my what you know how I've been enriched my spiritual life over time. I may become aware that I think something needs to be more different or better or changed before I know what that change should be, and that's okay. We don't have to have all the answers right away. I I think I would just pause. And maybe question, you know, is it me and my will that want something different? Or is it you and your will, God, that you want me to do something differently? Um, and the answer will come. You know, it comes when it comes. And when you get that feeling, maybe just ask the question again, back out. And, you know, the answer will eventually come. And you'll know, and you'll feel in your, you know, it, like I said, in your belly, in your heart, in your soul, you'll feel, you'll know it's right. 
Thank you so much, uh, Vanessa G, for your question this morning. Next up is Bev J, I believe from Colorado. Yes, hi, Bev J from Colorado, thank you. Uh, Sigrid, you said something that was just so totally obvious to me that I had to write it down just to remind myself that whenever I am restless, irritable, and discontented, I need to do a 10th step right then and there. I'm wondering if you have some resistance to doing that, and if so, how you overcome that. Thanks. Yeah, so my the thing that got me to overcome that was the results, because I was very resistant. I, oof, I needed to be right all the time. It was it was hard, right? So those first ten steps, um, I had to be really mangled and in pain before I would do them. And then, I, like uh, you know, the miracle would happen, and I'd be released from the misery. And and yet, I had to do that over and over and over until now, today, when something happens, I want to do a ten step. Because I don't like the feel, it's, I don't like the feeling anymore. I don't like uh, that that pain between the ears, that noise, the the crazy. I've I've gotten so mm, I jealously guard, <laughs> I jealously guard my serenity. Um, it's it is such a nicer place to live. I'm a better service to others, God, me myself. Um, than I am when I'm not. But but nothing, the, the thing that got me to change is over and over the results. That's what got me to change. I had to, like a, like a ugh, I needed repeatedly to be petted and told and given the, the miracle before I finally realized I, I want to do this. This isn't something I have to do. This is something I want to do. Thank you very much, Bev J from Colorado, for your question this morning. Let's see, Susan P from Georgia, are you ready for your question? Star one. Yes, I am. Can I be heard? You can, loud and clear. Just come in swinging, Susan. We'll let you know. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh -huh. I, have two, I have two questions. Um, I've been a chronic relapser, and as I've listened to your presentation, I'm going to go back and re-listen to it and write down all the suggestions that you've made. But sometimes I feel a little overwhelmed because, of course, I want to jump in and do everything that you do. So um, I know we say easy does it, but do it. So uh, do you have any suggestions about how to restart my program? And the second question I have is um, I came to realize as you were talking that, you know, uh, ironically, my life is really, really great today, and so I have a lot of shame about not having worked my program as I should, and like, um, like I feel like I've let God down, and it's been very hard for me, you know, to to let go of that that shame, you know, feeling like I've been ungrateful to God for His blessings. So, you know, if you have any comments, I would like to hear it. Sure. So. In terms of restarting program, you know, this program is about finding your connection with God. So for me, the two things that I would say 
to restart our some sort of God letter meditation and God letter or, you know, connection with a higher power first thing, literally first thing when you open your eyes. And then some some sort of journaling and grateful before you go to bed, before you go to sleep. To me, those those are the pivotal things to the connection to God that over time has helped me to be and stay connected. Okay. Oh, the second thing. Yeah. The second thing was um, the shame right? That mm-hmm. not, you know, that about letting God down. And that one, so I have to tell you, there there was a boom moment for me a couple of years ago, because I, I did a lot of that negative self-talk too. I still do sometimes, but um, somebody pointed out to me that when we keep the negative spotlight on ourselves, it's just another way to keep the focus on us. It's just another way to be self-centered. It's like, you know, it's like the dog, whether you're nice to the dog and you pet it and you feed it and you give it or you beat the dog, it will come back for more. And that that was a big realization for me that me, you know, you know, wanting to beat myself up and the shame and, you know, I've let God down and I, all of that is just a, another way for my disease to keep the focus on cigarettes. I hope mm. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much, Sigrid. Appreciate it. You're, you're welcome. Thank you, Susan. Could you say what's in your God question. letters? I'm sorry? I'm sorry. The question. Could you just say what's in her God letters? Sure. So typically my God letters are steps one, two, and three. I can't. God can. I'm going to let him. It's prayers for sick and suffering people that there's really nothing I can do. So I pray for them. And then it's also a listing of grateful things that I'm thankful for. I send it to my sponsor by email, although that's just the medium we use. And I get responses back by email. That's how I do it. Thank you very much, and thank you everyone this morning. I believe with just looking at the time, that would probably serve as the last question for this morning, Sigrid, but thanks again for all that you packed in and, you know, the addition of the answering these questions for folks is just so significant, and we'll get your telephone number soon, so for those that are still holding questions can have a chance to be in contact with you. You just offered so much, thank you, and it is time to close. And so we'll close the way we do in our regular fashion hair division for you, which is reading from page 164 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. 
clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you'll surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.